Hi, this is Doug Jones, and you're listening to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. I know! Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Sci-Fi Saturday Night. We will begin in mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. It is now time for us to put Earth under our rule. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Sci-Fi Saturday Night. From the Area 51 Cosmic Wimp Out Championships, it's once again clickbait for the years. Welcome to TalkCast number 400, this edition of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Tonight, after a lingering sinus infection, I'm your host, the guy once again passing on the flu shot, taking the whiskey shot. I am the Dome. Joining the TalkCast tonight, some of the rest of the gang in the Peabody Time Tunnel, sitting at the Sci-Fi Saturday Night Help Desk and Gaming Pavilion, it's our own taciturn technical trouble wrangler, Kriana. Yeah, she's playing pixels or something tonight. I'm not sure which, and she's not going to tell me. Uh, and in the Dank Dungeons award-winning uh, electronic book repository reprinting redundancy department at Cyborg University's Reference Annex at the Carbondale West Indiana Satellite Campus Library, Welcome, Zombrarian. Cheap, 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 cheap. You can't get away with that. She can get away with that, but you can't. Nice try. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I made that noise. Oh, well done. <laughs> How you doing? My voting sticker melted. Oh, no. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. I got rained on. Yeah, well, it, it pretty much rained everywhere today. It was not a yeah. not a fit night out for man or beast. It was so that's kind of how I am. Okay. Um, tonight we we get to talk to a guy I should know, but I don't. I've never met, but I should. He was a contributor to Sci-Fi Saturday Night's Volume Two of My Peculiar Family, and he he had a particularly wonderful, wonderful story, which led me to read uh, a couple of his other books, one of which we're going to talk to tonight. And I can't believe we've never actually sat down and talked before. Uh, our guest tonight is Stephen Lomer. Steve, welcome to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Hey, Dome. Thank you so much. Hey, is this really episode 400? It, it kind of is, yeah. Wow, that explains all this confetti and these balloons on the floor. This is really uh, something. What a party you guys are throwing. It, it actually explains the whiskey more than anything else, to be honest with you. Oh, there's whiskey? Oh, there is. My kind there of is. Show. Yeah, it's always been that kind of show. And, and, and I have to warn you now to, to watch your mouth because we don't want to talk shit about anything or, you know, say ugly words like. Also, if you're wearing pants, you're overdressed. <laughs> Well, no worries there. Perfect. Excellent. <laughs> oh 
Unless Tonight, you're cold. If you're cold, you can wear pants. Or a robe, Fair either enough. one. Yeah. About uh, a week and a half ago, Indiegogo opened a campaign for uh, Steve for his very, very funny series of books called Typo Squad uh, to turn one of the stories in Typo Squad into a uh, into a video, into a short video, which then I'm guessing they're going to uh, shop around and look to turn it into a Netflix type of series. So Steve, to the to the uninitiated and undefined and and those rare people among us who don't read because most of us do, talk for a little bit, if you will, about the book Typo Squad, uh, the books in the Typo Squad series. All righty, I am happy to do so since Typo Squad is my baby. Um, so Typo Squad is set in a world where typos are lethal to 98% of the population. And the other 2% who uh, are unaffected by typos join Typo Squad to keep the public safe from the forces of errorism. And I was inspired to write Typo Squad because before I became a writer, uh, I spent many, many years as a proofreader and a copy editor. Uh, and I know a most thankless job, by the way, <laughs> the, the most thankless job. If you if you catch nine hundred ninety nine out of a thousand errors, you'll never get credit for those nine hundred ninety nine catches. You'll only get the world coming down on your head for the one that you missed. So it is a very, very thankless job. So I thought those people could use some heroes. And so I created Typo Squad really for them. And also because I thought maybe I might be creating a, a whole new genre of typo porn for <laughs> all of the uh, grammar Nazis out there and, and all of the, uh, the, the guardians of the English language. So. Um, I'll, I'll tell you the type of porn that you did create with this book, however, is is pun porn, because you just there are very few writers who get away with as much sneaky puns as you shoved into this first book. And you know this. There's, it's true. There's only one writer I know who's done it <clears throat> as much and as well as you have, and that's Spider Robinson. And I mean, he is the king of, of, of puns and it's just, and he considers pun, punnery the lowest form of, of, of comedy and yet just peppers his work with it. So bravo on that one, by the way. Thank you very much. That is elite company. And I will, I will certainly take that as a huge compliment. So in you, I was saying before we got started uh, that between your work as an editor and, and putting Typo Squad together, uh, there's there is a kind of crosshairs between a good mystery novel. Uh, anybody who remembers Police Squad from the eleven episodes that ever aired of it, uh, which was just a dynamically funny television show, and. Um, and a little twisty science fiction, alternate universe, 
uh, you just kind of, uh, this is like clam chowder of, of stuff all mixed together. And it, normally this, this type of, I'm going to throw everything together doesn't work at all. And somehow this one does. Well, thank you. Yes, I, I did draw from a lot of influences. I, I did, uh, you know, one of the, one of the uh, biggest stumbling blocks I had right out of the gate with Typo Squad was what genre is this? How, yeah. how do I define this? Is it Good question. adventure? <laughs> is it fantasy? Is it, is it uh, straight literary fiction? Is it contemporary fiction? Where, where does it? And I still don't have an answer. I, uh, when I put it up on Amazon, I, I classified it uh, in two categories under action adventure and humor, because those seem like the two most logical categories for me. And uh, Amazon seems to agree because that's where the, those are the categories where it, it still remains to this day. Um, but yeah, I, I wrote it without really having a clear idea of what the genre would be and uh, I suppose that's sort of a double-edged sword. Uh, it, it's it's a it's a unicorn in a way. Yeah, uh, in, a, then, in a very large way. Yeah, absolutely. But it's also difficult to explain to people exactly what it is they're going to be reading when they when they sit down to read it. So um, so yeah, it is it's it's a very it's a very unique uh, work if I do say so myself. So after after years of working as a self-described grammar Nazi uh, mm-hmm. and, and being a, a hard-nosed editor who uh, wouldn't ever let a participle dangle, which is the <laughs> thing. Uh, I have no idea what that actually is. And I used to teach English. So that tells you an awful lot, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, you then decided uh, as many writers do, who started off not being writers that, in reading other people's stuff and, and just working with it and massaging it to, to be right, that you could probably do this. And how long ago was that, that you made that switch from editor to writer? Um, probably about 10 years ago, I would say. Um, so it was probably 10 years as an editor and then uh, the last 10 as a writer. So uh, a pretty decent balance between the two. Yes, but there, were, there, were, there was that, that, those dark days as working in, in PR. But we don't want to talk about those, do we? No, I certainly don't. <laughs> At which point, you were kind of a writer and kind of an editor, and then just kind of went, no, no, I want to be a whole writer at that point. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so I, you know, while, while we're on the subject of, of editors, I, I have to give the, the biggest, most loving shout out to Stacy Longo. Absolutely. Who, yep. Who had the unenviable task of finding all of the typos in Typo Squad before I published it. So that she is she is a goddess among women. So uh, an enormous shout out to her because that. That could not have been easy for her to do. 
the poor. She poor is things. not only a goddess among that; she's a goddess among editors, and and a wonderful human being to boot. And anybody who's ever worked with her will tell you the exact same thing. Uh, and it's really funny because I went on uh, my my wonderful Google search and pulled you up, and then I said, "Find me pictures of him." And Stacy's picture popped up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy. I'm so happy that's the case. <laughs> I don't know if she is, but I am. She she may be a little concerned about it, but I certainly thought it was amusing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, but Typo Squad wasn't your first book out of the gate when you decided hey, this is what I really want to do. You've actually got a uh, couple of uh, compilations of short stories, uh, a couple of fantasy books, and uh, where is that that one Christmas book? I can't think of the name of it offhand, and I apologize for that. It's uh, Bell's Christmas Carol. That's the one, yes. thank you. See, you would know that because it's your book. There it is. And of course, now that you've said it, I have found it. And Bell's Christmas Carol is an interesting, interesting retelling of uh, of Dickens. Yes, yes. So I mean, you you're you've got all kinds of different stuff in all kinds of different directions. You've got short stories that are science fiction, fantasy, horror. Uh, you've got a retelling of Dickens. And then you seem to have hit your, your stride with, with Typo Squad, which has spawned a second book. And I'm guessing a third one on the way as well. Yes, uh, a third one is definitely on the way because I think anyone who read part two and came to the dangling end would seek me out and have my head if I didn't at least resolve that for them. So, and uh, that's why I was guessing <laughs> as, as yes. in, that there was a third one. Yes, exactly. And, uh, w well, one interesting thing that, that some people, uh, aren't aware of is that the last, so my, my first, my first book was a, a short story collection called stargazer lilies or nothing at all. And, the last short story in Stargazer Lilies serves as a prequel to Typo Squad. It's a story called Royally Screwed, and it, it's, uh, it's set in the 70s in London, and it follows one of the characters who ends up in Typo Squad, uh, and it follows him when he first joins Her Majesty's Royal Typo Brigade, which is the uh, British Typo Squad equivalent. Um, so, uh, so that was that was sort of where Typo Squad had its jumping-off point. I, I was I was hoping that people who read Stargazer Lilies would be uh, so thoroughly enraptured by this concept and this character that they would follow him straight to Typo Squad. And I have no evidence that they have, but I like to think that they did. <laughs> if you believe it, then it actually <laughs> happened. And I think you found that out here. So how, how did you come to the realization that you didn't have enough work to do with all this, this writing that you're doing with your, your web series, uh, Tell Me About Your Damn Book, 
with uh, everything else that you've got going on. It's another website that you do, and I've lost that for the moment, but be that as it may. And then, then to decide that Typo Squad, as, as much fun as it is, would be a really good television series. And how did you decide to make it? So when I was writing Typo Squad, I actually wrote it as though it was a movie. So each of the scenes I saw very clearly in my head as, uh, as a scene in a movie. And so when I, when I finished it and, and I realized that it was, it was good and it was solid, uh, I started to think of along the lines of what could I do with this to make it, to, to adapt it for a visual medium, because I thought uh, if it's entertaining as a book, uh, it might be equally as entertaining as, as a movie or, or, or a series. And uh, many of the characters that I created in Typo Squad were based on people that I actually know in real life, um, wonderful people who I thought would be uh, great as, uh, as performers in, in a Typo Squad series of some kind. So, uh, so I launched an Indiegogo campaign um, to crowdfund a, uh, a proof of concept video, which is a 10 to 15 minute, uh, sh- essentially short film that introduces the, the world that we're talking about, the characters, the, the main conflict, um, and, 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 uh, and so forth. And uh, uh, it was really something near and dear to my heart. Uh, I've always been a, a huge fan of, of the, the visual arts and, and, and movies and, and television. And uh, and so I, I thought if I could if I could get this crowdfunded and make the the proof of concept video, then I could then shop that around to the streaming services, which are always looking for uh, new and interesting uh, content. And I, I think this is just about as original uh, an idea as they are going to come across. And um, and then from that point, I fast forward to me making my acceptance speech at the Emmys. Well, I, I think at the very least, yeah, it, it, somehow, whether whether you win or not, I would do that. But that's just right. Me. <laughs> sure. sure. I, I, have, I have I have a question, just yeah. not not with the intention of raining on your parade, but just because it is coming to mind for a book that is so I don't want to say entrenched. So, or reliant but that makes such excellent use of the vagaries of language with puns and I'm assuming cute typos in the actual story how do you kind of take that and move it to television which is more based on action and it's still visual but it's a very different way of consuming media. Well, that's an excellent question um, because we've been known to do that on occasion. Every once in a while, I have a good one. <laughs> it, it, it is. It's an excellent question because that was the very first, uh, the first question I asked myself right out of the gate was, how do we take all of the this wonderful 
uh, all these wonderful puns, all this great language, all these, all this, all this uh, great stuff, and and how do we translate that um, to a series? And uh, the answer is that you uh, you have to sort of visualize all of the uh, all of the clever language um, on the screen and and within the the world that we're creating visually. So. Um, uh, you know, th there's a there's a great gag in it where um, Typo Squad is dispatched to a, a, a ballpark, and uh, so the the city where it all takes place is is in uh, Las Palabras, California, and so they're dispatched to a to a ballpark, and the the um, the team that they're going to see is the Las Palabras semicolons which is the uh, farm team for the Las Palabras colons. <laughs> so if you can see it in your head, if you can see that banner on that ballpark where it says that, you can see how the, the, the great puns and the great takes on language can be translated to a, a visual gag that will be, I, I think it will appeal to an even broader audience. If that makes sense. It does. Um, I didn't have a follow-up, so I was waiting for Dome to have one, because usually he does. Well, yeah, I was going to talk about Sammy the Shark, but that's just me. <laughs> Go ahead. Sammy the, the Shower Shark, yes. Yes, talk about him if you like. Well, I... <laughs> As I know you, Steve, and, and I've gotten to know you through uh, your participation with uh, My Peculiar Family, too, you, you have an odd sense of reality. Is that a good way to put that? I think it's a safe way to put that. And, and I, yeah. Yeah. I, I've always appreciated that odd sense of reality. But your interview with Sammy the Shower Shark... Uh, <laughs> Once again, okay. So first of all, where did Sammy the Shower Shark come from? <laughs> okay. Um, so it, this this is actually it's all interconnected. You will you will see how this is all one big wonderful wheel that that turns and, and interlocks with other wheels. Um, so I have a dear friend named Chris Wiggum, and uh, I've known him for years and years and years, and he was not only the basis for the character Big in Typo Squad, but he is the character Big in Typo Squad. I mean, I, I just, when I, when I had to write Big, all I had to do was think about my, my dear friend, Chris Wiggum, and it all fell right into place. And so Chris had created this character, Sammy the Shower Shark, uh, for for other videos that he had previously done, and and it's such a brilliant and simple concept. He's just got a, a a shark hand puppet, and he provides a voice for it, and he films it while he's in the shower. So he's really killing two birds with one stone. He's he's keeping himself clean and fresh, and he's doing funny <laughs> videos with Sammy the Shower Shark. So when we started the Indiegogo campaign, I asked him if he would create uh, if he would do a video you know asking for donations and, and asking for support for it and uh, lo and behold he created a Sammy the shower shark episode where Sammy was hyping 
the Indiegogo campaign. And they introduced Sammy's cousin, Kevin, which I, yes. I still don't fully understand, but uh, I wholeheartedly embrace. And um, so that, that is the connection to Sammy the Shower Shark. And, and I think I think at some point um, the wor- you, need, you need to get Sammy the Shower Shark out there just a little bit more. And I don't know, perhaps uh, if we're lucky, uh, we'll post him in the Sci-Fi Saturday Night uh, post so that y'all can get a good look at the twisted mind of Steve. <laughs> <laughs> That's very sweet of you to say. Thank you. Well, you're, you're, you're very welcome. It's a lot of fun doing it. Uh, and talk about, for a minute, Christina Terry and what her role is in, in the project. Yes. Uh, so... We, so when, when we came up with the uh, with uh, so I'm working with a, a production company called Narrow Street Films out of New Hampshire, and they've done a, a bunch of uh, short films and and feature length films and and uh, uh, so they were they were kind enough to put together a budget for uh, you know the, a projected budget and, and that's where we came up with our with our uh, goal for for the Indiegogo and. Um, so they budgeted in uh, what it would cost to hire actors for each of the roles for for Typo Squad. So I said, well, let me see if I can find uh, a bunch of suckers uh, or uh, I'm sorry, friends who will step into these roles for free. And that way we can save money on the on the overall budget. Um, and uh, so I actually uh, so Krista Terry as a, an old friend of mine, um, we used to, uh, I, I say we used to work together. She, she worked at a company and she was going on maternity leave and I actually replaced her. Um, but our paths crossed a little bit and we, we, uh, we really enjoyed each other's company. And when I was writing Thea Soros, uh, the character, I had Krista in mind, uh, as, as a basis for, for Thea. Um, so she, she, uh, enthusiastically agreed to play Thea, which was wonderful. And she's been, um, making some hype videos, uh, with me and for me as well. And then, uh, the aforementioned Chris Wiggum has agreed to play big, um, in the, uh, in the, in the film. And, uh, I have a few other people that I'm working on at the moment to, uh, to fill out the other roles, um, so yeah, it's and and the great thing is these are these are friends of mine. These are good people. They're talented people. I get along with them well. So um, you know, if we reach the goal and we're able to actually make the short film, it, it should be a lot of fun, and that fun should be very evident for for the viewer. It absolutely, um, it absolutely not only should be, but uh, you know, based on the book itself, uh, it it has the capacity to hit all the right buttons to make it work. So uh, how involved are you in putting this 15 minute script together or was that all completely yours? Uh, well, what I did was I went through the book and I tried to find a scene that was mostly contained to one location with, with the idea that it would be again, cheaper to film in one location uh, rather than multiple locations, and then also a scene that would explain what it is that you're looking at and who these people are and 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 what the gag is. And I found a scene 
um, that takes place early in the book at a, at a cafe. Um, and so I took that and I, I wrote it out as a script uh, and I, 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 I fixed it a little bit. I, I sort of distributed the dialogue a little better among the characters. You know, the, in, the, in the original scene, it's mostly Richard and Thea who are talking. And so I wanted to involve the other characters a little more. So I, so I punched up the dialogue. I made it a little more, um, you know, uh, a little more fun. Uh, for for the scene and um so yeah it uh it, it it was it was very easy to adapt it and uh i i think it made the most sense for me to do it to 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 make the adaptation and also you know again when we when we sign the contract for netflix or hulu or amazon prime <laughs> or whoever it is down the road uh i'll get that much more money for well there you go screenplay being the creator uh, starring in it, uh, all that great stuff. So, you know, I, I'm, uh, that, that's my retirement plan right there. So that's, that's nicely done. Nicely. <laughs> you got to think about the future dome. You know yeah, no, you, you, uh, you absolutely do. Yeah. Um, it's important when, when you look at, at something like this, the Indiegogo crowdfunding platform, is unlike most others in that it's not an all or nothing. It is you get what you get. So you're looking for a little over 10 grand, which is you've broken down quite nicely in the, in the accounting uh, aspect of, of the page there. Uh, but what happens if you don't get it all? That's an excellent question, and that that question has come up uh, several times from people who have donated, and we're suddenly thinking, "Hey, wait a minute, what, is he just going to run off to to Foxwoods and throw this all on red and see what happens?" Uh, you that's know, that's 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 a valid question. <laughs> sure, sure, absolutely, and uh, let let me assure everybody right now that. Uh, that that would be foolish because uh, roulette is a sucker's bet. I would I would take it to the let it ride. Um, you wouldn't go to the blackjack tapes. Blackjack, yeah, maybe maybe blackjack, and then see see how I could parlay it. Um, <laughs> but no, it's 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 a valid question, and um, uh, you're you're right. Indiegogo is is uh, keep what you get, which is great. Um, as opposed to like Kickstarter, where it's if you if you have a goal of ten thousand and you get to nine thousand nine hundred ninety five, you get nothing because you didn't hit your goal. Um, you don't so get to tweet that up the last minute, so yeah. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I would like to think you would donate five dollars to your own campaign so that you could you could keep it all. But um, so if we if we don't reach that uh, the goal, we will take the money that we make and we will bank it and uh, we will look to uh, other alternate forms of, of uh, financing. Um, you know, I, I like to, the, the important point is that it will get made either way, whether we reach our goal or not, but it will get made sooner and it will be a lot less painful if we can fully fund the Indiegogo campaign and it's a lot more, you know, it feels a lot more organic and it feels a lot more connected to, to the people if the people fund it as opposed to, you know, going through a bank loan or, 
or something like that. So I'm really hoping that or selling your firstborn or or harvesting your your own organs. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Or, you know, sometimes people donate their hair for, you know, for wigs. I would be no help to you there. Yes, I I, know. Yeah, I'm of no help. And I suffer from that same affliction. Absolutely. Yeah. Fortunately, as the case may be. (laughs) So, I mean, you know, I mean, you know, you're sitting around the house eating bonbons all day. You got nothing going on. You're not doing anything. It's it's sure. 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 What else? Yep. You got, what else is going on right now besides obviously, Typo Squad Book Three: The Hunt for Curly's Gold or whatever. <laughs> That's not bad. I might use that. Um, I already used it, but go ahead. <laughs> okay. Fair I think somebody else might have used it too, but uh, so I, you know, as you mentioned, I have my YouTube uh, author interview show called "Tell Me About Your Damn Book." where I bring in uh, local authors and uh, I, I get to know them and talk to them about their, their most recent book that they've released. Um, and that's been a lot of fun. I've met a lot of, of really great authors. We're in season two right now. Um, we've been, we've, we've, I think we've got seven episodes filmed and we've probably got another seven or eight to go through the end of the year. So that's really exciting. And then I think the other website you were talking about was uh, Television Woodshed, um, which is a website that I've had for a long time where uh, yeah. I, a few other people, um, we do snarky recaps of, of some TV shows in the vein of the, old, of the wonderful Television Without Pity, um, which uh, I still miss to this very day because it was, was such a great site. Um, and then, uh, you know, every once in a while, I will eat and bathe because uh, that's, you know, I, I, every once in a while, I'll have time to do that, which is nice. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, it's it's always wonderful uh, to, to put a, a voice to to a writer. And, and you're one of the writers that I've enjoyed without ever having met. Steve, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Best of luck with your Indiegogo campaign, and we'll keep a tally here for you and hope for the best. Thanks a lot, my friend. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, Tom. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Granite Con, King Comic Con, Plastic City Comic Con, BooksandBooze.com, and ComicArtHouse.com. Visit Comic Art House for some of the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. If you're looking for a really, really great gift book for the Halloween, which is past, or Thanksgiving, or possibly even Christmas, take a look at Sci-Fi Saturday Night's anthology, My Peculiar Family, now on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com, Volume 2, coming out shortly to an electronic outlet near you. My Peculiar Family, the audiobook is now available on Audible, because I'm not sure where else you could possibly find it. Our intro production was provided by Rob Watts. More of his amazing stuff can be found at robwattsonline.com. Check out the hot sauce. Our outro music was provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Their grooves can be found on lawrencemademecry.com. And a big hello and hug to Joe. Many thanks to the gang from the Peabody Time Tunnel, the sweetheart of soundboard, Kriana, and the woman of Word Sombrarian. Thank you so much, ladies. This is Dome saying Terry and Jeannie, Shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased, thus we all future. Enjoy the chaos.
I know.